our basic practice during this retreat is metta meditation, loving kindness meditation. And every time of the day at this, uh, this time, every time of the day at this time, <clears throat> we're going to offer um, different types of heart-based meditations to expand upon the loving kindness meditation. And today I'm gonna offer uh, compassion meditation, karuna meditation. And it might be a little similar to what uh, Bonnie offered yesterday, but um, there's so many ways in to opening the heart, stabilizing the heart. So here's another way in, compassion practice. So if you start with loving kindness meditation, it's sort of a general default setting to a basic friendliness. And you wanna develop that so that as you're walking around, um, there's friendliness, there's uh, benevolence, And as your heart flows through the world and is in contact with um, whatever is around you, you might find that um, that general friendliness takes on a slightly different tone depending on what you're connecting to. So you're walking along and then you see two young deer um, eating and all of a sudden your heart is filled with uh, joy. So there's friendliness, but then there's this beautiful uplift in that context. And then walking along, you might see uh, um, an animal that has passed. And in that context, the heart might go more towards uh, resonating and having a sense of the, the loss and a little bit of sadness uh, that something has passed. So again, as the heart goes through many different circumstances, different heart tones uh, reverberate depending on the circumstances. There are times that... Um, really what's, what helps you connect most to um, the circumstance you're in is this tone of compassion. And the old Buddhist word for this, the old Indian word, is karuna. And we translate that as compassion. And compassion, <clears throat> you're connecting to someone or something in pain. And the... <clears throat> As compassion gets stronger, the ability to stay with the pain, uh, the pain doesn't cause grief, it doesn't cause a contraction, but there's a wisdom, there's a beauty in the heart that can arise in understanding and be able to hold pain. Because pain will visit us all. And if the heart only knows how to show up when things are well, when things are happy, then there's, it's always afraid of pain, and always a little bit disoriented around pain. And so here's a specific practice that we use to develop the capacity to stay conscious when pain arises, your own pain, internal pain, or the pain you see in the world around you. And it can be one being's pain or it can be pain on a large scale. And because pain hurts to be intimately in contact with it, we have ordinary default mechanisms that have us contract from it, shy away from it, or due to the fact we don't like the pain, we rush in maybe too quickly and try to improve or shift the situation. So that's, that's common, but it's not, not being uh, very functional because you can't change all pain. And the best way to change pain is first your ability to stay conscious when you're in contact with it. So that's why this practice um, helps us stabilize and find our feet under us when we're in contact with pain. And from there you might see, here's a, here's a painful situation, and I don't yet know anything to do about it, but my heart doesn't have to close, it doesn't have to turn away, I don't have to get anxious. I can actually breathe in intimate rapport with something painful. As you breathe in connection with something painful, you might see there is a way to alleviate some of the pain or maybe all the pain. And it's just a very different thing. If you have somebody that knows how to be with you when you're in hard times, but they don't rush in with a solution, then if somebody does offer advice and does help to alleviate the pain, there's less selfishness about their intervention. If I can't stay in your pain, then my intervention is gonna be somewhat um, driven by the fact that I can't take it. 
But if I can breathe with you while you're in pain or breathe with a community while it's feeling pain, then if a solution occurs to me, it's not as driven, it's not as compulsive, it's not as um, uh, turbulent inside. And those solutions tend to um, lead to the most holistic outcome. So that's something I've discovered, maybe as you practice, you'll discover that, maybe you've already discovered that as well. To start with, <clears throat> um, we have to start where connecting to something um, painful doesn't immediately shut down our heart. So like with the loving kindness practice, we start where we stand a chance to actually stabilize our heart, open up intimacy. And then as you begin to explore something painful or uh, unfortunate, and you can breathe in contact with it, then you cannot find that there's a sweetness in compassion. And the sweetness, if I had to put language to the sweetness I've discovered in compassion, it's sort of the intention, the, uh, my heart intones this um, connection. You don't have to go through this alone. Or I'm here for you. And so those actually might be compassion phrases that you say. You bring something to mind where someone's having a difficult time. And there are several compassion phrases you could choose from. But that's what they serve, that's how I, I tune into this sense. I, I see your pain, I care about your suffering. You don't have to go through this alone. When my heart's in that space, there's a sweetness in the connection, even though you're connecting over something painful. And it's that sweetness that sustains you while you're connecting where there's some pain or misfortune. This is something I learned when I um, was a volunteer in the hospice ward in San Francisco. And luckily people had done many decades of work ahead of me. So I could see it role modeled to see beautifully hearted people be able to be in company with people who were in their final days or weeks or months. And it was that sweetness that they didn't have to go through it alone. That was the nourishment so that we could stay in contact to, um, intimately in contact with someone who was having a very difficult time. Then when you're also in contact with pain, you can see that pain is multi-layered. So someone in the hospice ward would have a terminal illness, but that particular day they might be having a really great day. And so if you can breathe with where there's pain and suffering, you see that there are, there are many textures within a suffering moment. There might be a contraction, there might be fear, that, that other being might be going through their own awakening process around how they hold their own pain. So your ability to breathe with and uh, sit beside someone who's having a difficult time, um, you get to feel into that, you get to learn from difficult times as opposed to just contracting, worrying about them, or rushing in to fix them. There's actually important heart lessons in the realm of pain. So this is what we're going to discover in compassion practice. So why don't we do it a little bit? Um, we'll practice for maybe about a half hour. You get to explore it, then we'll have time for a little dialogue around the practice afterwards just to help keep attuning to it. It's its own realm. Uh, compassion practice. And it, some would say it's really what happens to loving kindness practice as you flow through the world and you come in contact with your own pain or others' pain. One of the, uh, the tonalities of compassion, if you can understand that difficulties are something we all go through, then it's not, I'm having compassion for your pain, but I'm sitting with the fact that there is pain. Right now it's your turn, later it'll be my turn, we might have the same turn at the same time. It's a sharing with experience. So see if that helps you kind of uh, guide into it. And again, what we're looking for is the, the sweetness of, con of connection in the sense that we don't have to go through our hard times alone. That sweetness is what sustains us while we're in contact with something difficult.
So the way into this practice, okay, I'm gonna say one more thing. <laughs> um, as you open up to something difficult, you might find that your heart quickly turns away. So be very patient with your hearts, don't force them in contact. You also might find as your heart turns towards pain, it's overwhelmed and you stay, you're staying in contact, but what you feel is despair and grief and your heart is forlorn. That's why there's a, there's a careful sort of survey to find the way in to where you can begin to breathe with uh, something that's painful, something that's difficult, somewhere where there's suffering. So you can, you can tune in and like turning an old radio to the, the right frequency, you just keep playing with a knob until you find the clearest signal. And the clearest signal is, um, it feels good to connect. This is where I wanna grow my heart. It feels good to connect and, and care for somebody. But if you find that you're overwhelmed, um, chances are you've taken on too big a bite. And so not necessarily just staying there and being swamped by it and going into your own despair and grief or um, becoming afraid of the meditation and uh, distracting yourself. So we wanna have a little survey to, to start in the right place and see if you can tune into a loved one, um, a being where your heart can feel that resonant connection. But the, the pain that you're connecting with doesn't overwhelm you right away. That's why you have to be a little careful in the initial survey to find that. One way is that I tapped into this, again, I, I've started almost all of my heart practices with dogs. And then when I can find it with dogs, I can move it up to the complexity of the human world. And so one time I was, uh, I had a puppy, I had to drive the puppy to its first vet um, meeting, no, first vet appointment. And it hadn't been in a car before and it just began to howl and was grief stricken so I pulled the car over and a part of me was smiling a little bit. I was like, oh baby, you're safe. You're so safe. But I see that you're overwhelmed and I know what it's like to be overwhelmed. So we're just gonna have a moment here and calm down. Then we're gonna drive a little further. And so once I tuned into there, I saw my heart open. It leaned towards, it could hold this uh, puppy while it was going through some duress. And then from there, I've been able to graduate to you know, much more difficult experiences. And I can find that ability to um, feel the sweetness of heart while it connects to something that's quite large and keep expanding over time to where I can hold very large experiences of suffering and uh, not succumb to the weight of that size of suffering or need to turn away, but I can actually um, feel my feet under me and breathe with the suffering I'm encountering. So that's my suggestion, is that you we spend a little time and try to tune into um, a being who's having a hard time, not be overwhelmed by it, and then begin to stay connected there and see if you can find um, that sweet, tender connection and loyalty to someone who's having a difficult time. And then the phrases you use, you can, you can change them and find your own. A very standard one is, I care. You can just say that, I care, I care about your pain, I care about your suffering, I care about this difficulty. Sometimes I've used the phrase, I'm on your side, or I'm on our side, if I hold it with wisdom that we all go through hard times. Or let's do this together. I'm putting out some suggestions that you might play with to find how do you stay, how do you support yourself in that connection? But the, the standard one that we turn to first is just the phrase, I care, or I care about your pain. So find a posture that allows your body to be at ease as much as is possible Given in the past this has been a sitting where some people have uh, dozed off, which is an afternoon phenomena. Um, if somebody seems like they've gone into the unconscious realms and they're um, starting to snore, 
we have full permission out of compassion for all to give them a gentle tug on their, uh, their clothing just to wake them back up. So gentle, kind. And then also we have to be wise and sometimes they're snoring. Okay, finding a posture that allows your body to be at ease. Open your eyes and look around the room. You're in this safe space, here and now, with beautiful views out the window, a lot of beautiful wood in the structure. I like to do that as a preliminary step just to make sure I'm connected and grounded to the ease of the present. When you're ready, you can close your eyes. And begin looking through your own heart, through your own relationships, and see if you can tune into a difficulty that a loved one is experiencing, a friend, a community member, A clear challenge, but not one that overwhelms you. You can recognize this being is having trouble. This being is in stress, maybe grief, heartache. And see if you can pull up a symbolic image, maybe from memory, that connects you to this being, connects you to the sense of the struggle they're having. And breathing in and breathing out and remaining grounded in your own body while bringing up this sense of this other being You can begin sincerely repeating the phrase, I care. I care about your pain. I care about your difficulty. Letting your heart comprehend this other being is having a hard time physically or emotionally, mentally. I care.
Can you relax the need for a solution? And first, just connect. Stabilizing your heart in understanding that there's pain, there's suffering, there's difficulty. In each moment that you care, the other being is not alone or is less alone. You can always experiment with putting a hand on your heart as a symbolic reminder. We're opening and steadying our heart towards a natural realm of life where there is difficulty, where there is suffering or pain.
you can also explore bringing this caring heart towards yourself. No one knows the challenges that you've been through like you have, like you do. I care about my own difficulties. Let me be a friend to myself in hard times. May my own heart be warm on my hard days. Befriending yourself, opening your own heart, acknowledging the difficulties you have experienced or maybe are experiencing self-compassion. I care for myself. If at any point your heart gets overwhelmed or feels exhausted by this practice, you can always regroup. Simplify to feel your body, feel your breath. You can always open your eyes and look out the window just to regain some composure and some perspective. And then you can always return to yourself or another.
acknowledging we all go through hard times. I care. Given the pain involved, our hearts can get tired or overwhelmed. So it might be hard to sustain compassion. So it can be wise, take a step back. Remember you have a body You're here and now in this room. Sometimes hearts need a resting phase.
And that's compassionate wisdom. It's compassion combined with wisdom. The courage to step in and feel and acknowledge, to join with pain. And knowing when to take a step back. To get your feet back under you. Regain some perspective. And then if and when you're ready again, you can reach back out. Inviting the heart to be balanced and intimate and warm. Connecting where there's difficulty, duress, discomfort. emotional pain or physical pain, societal pain. Pain is part of the journey. We're stretching our hearts to stay conscious and connected where there are these difficulties. Thank you for stretching in this way. You're welcome to keep playing with this, either intentionally or as we're practicing and your heart opens and it quite naturally comes across pain or stress 
sadness, grief, areas where there's um, something difficult for the heart to connect to because it's unpleasant or it's overwhelmingly painful. That will happen just as we go through. So this is another tool and support to stay conscious while connecting uh, through with compassion. So again, you can practice it intentionally or you can use this if it happens to come up during your loving kindness practice. Are there any questions about the practice or uh, anything you want to share about what you discovered? Yeah. The difference between compassion and empathy. <clears throat> um, they they may not be completely distinct, but empathy tends to be um, a resonance between um, two beings or among a, a collection of beings. So where there's empathy, my heart resonates, and I share some of your experience. I intuit, and I resonate on the channel you're on. So if I'm empathetic and you're happy, I'll get empathetically happy. And if you're sad and I resonate with you, I'll get uh, empathetically attuned to you when the state you're in. So empathy creates the resonant sharing bridge between two beings or between a collection of beings, having group empathy. And compassion is the willingness to have that empathy where there's pain, where there's difficulty, where there's something distressful and if we're not conscious, we tend to dislike the pain. And so there can be a first movement away from it or in trying to move away from it by getting rid of it, by solving it. And so the, uh, the compassion practice is, is empathy and then conscious connection so that we resonate with the person who's having the difficulty or the being that is. But the resonance one thing we have to be careful of is that compassion keeps perspective. And if I start to, you don't want the, the compassionate bridge to draw you down as well. So if someone's having a very difficult time and you become empathetic with them, it's possible that out of that empathetic resonance, you might also begin to sink into the despair that the person's having. And the compassion practice is done intentionally so that there's conscious perspective while there's empathy so that there's caring and you're on that person's channel, but you don't necessarily sink if that person has sunk. And then you're inviting them back up into a conscious resonance because of the empathetic bridge. Your compassion with them might draw them back up into perspective around the challenge they're having as well. Well, the classic, so the, what are the classic uh, phrases people use? Um, in the loving kindness practice, there are f four classical practices and then 10,000 variations on them. Classically, uh, for the compassion practice, there's just the one, um, I care about your or my suffering. All the other uh, heart practices tend to have one traditional phrase, the Loving kindness has four. But as people have played around with it, they've found a slight changing of the phrase or a new phrase. Like when I say to myself, you don't, you don't have to go through this alone. I'm not committing to be with this person through the entire journey of their suffering. Um, but in that moment, I feel united with them and I feel a resonance with them. And I know that there's less loneliness when people can actually resonate. So that phrase to me gets close to what my heart is feeling. I'm with you in this. So I might find that that's the, that phrase really helps express and, and I feel my heart um, stabilize its connection if I find the right phrase, changing it slightly.
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could everybody hear that he, while he was sitting in the compassion practice, he felt um, a contraction in his back. And up until now, his body uh, was more open. Given our, our strong, beautiful capacity of heart, we all have the connection to feel tremendously. And so we start to point towards suffering. I know pretty quickly there's so much out there that my heart has to go like, okay, slow down. Uh, there's a lot of suffering out there. So what are we doing here, Temple? My heart might speak back to me like, her. <laughs> And so that, that contraction tends to be um, the heart's protection to not be overwhelmed. One, not to be overwhelmed. And two, it is, it is fatiguing to the heart to be in contact with pain. <clears throat> so compassion, as we, as we purify it and strengthen it, we have more capacity to stay conscious and breathe with something difficult. A guided meditation as it is, we did it for a half hour, and it's possible that it was 29 minutes too long for some people to stay actually in the, the resourced version where, like, yeah, I can point my heart in this direction. It's like, oh, God, there's a lot of suffering. Like, this is kind of depressing and sad, and there's no hope, and I'm being loyal to the practice, but I'm kind of sinking with it. It's good you know, when you go to a gym, you don't get up the first time that you feel a little tired. But if you notice that um, you stayed with the compassion practice and it began to uh, go down, that it might be time to step back and open your eyes, look out the window, regroup. As you explore compassion practice unto itself and the wisdom around compassion, the wisdom around the the human conscious journey that there that there are difficulties. I've grown a, a a capacity to know there aren't always solutions, but it's better that I care. And so from that, if I start feeling burdened by suffering, chances are that's a place where I can't quite I can't quite cope with how hard life gets or how much suffering there is. So I'm trying to be compassionate, but I'm sinking one of the reasons that I'm sinking is that my, my view of the world still struggles with the fact that there's pain. So if I point my heart towards pain, and I still can't truly hold it all, then at some point that will start to feel fatiguing. And so people who have done this practice for a long time would say, Compassion isn't fatiguing. This word karuna isn't fatiguing. It isn't um, stressful. But you have to be in that kind of pure channel and it has to purify. So as you're doing it, it strengthens. As you're doing it, you clear it out. As it, you're doing it, you grow capacity. As you do it, you recognize you have views that um, could use some strengthening, maturing that I'm a, more, I'm a more mature being. I can open to the fact that it gets hard at times. I no longer need it to be all good. That I, I, and so as my views expand and strengthen, as my heart expands and strengthen, I actually can stay in that channel and it's not fatiguing. But at some point, uh, my heart, because it's not fully free yet, will find that it has an, an upper limit of how much it can stay in that before it does start to sink. And then the, the skill and the art of this particular practice is before you lose perspective and before you sink, before you take this practice and have it um, become a heaviness in your body, that you either back, back up or change topic. You sort of back off such an incredible suffering, or you change your perspective, you change your, your focus so that you don't uh, sink down into a depression or into a contraction, into a burden. But we never get it like perfectly digitally, right? So that happens along the way. And then 
You can open your eyes if you want, look out the window, refresh. You can go to loving kindness practice. You can just go to breath practice and you'll find that that accumulating fatigue does begin to dissipate. If you can do that, so his question was um, shifting the meditation um, out of compassion or actually making the very feeling of the contraction, especially in your body, the focus of your compassion. If you can keep perspective while it's happening, then that's a beautiful blend of mindfulness and compassion. So you might be able to go in and you might go, oh, dear one. I, I can feel you taking on this burden, dear one. I can feel the the pain. I can feel your, your heart close. You know, dear sweet being, I, I feel your own duress. And so if you can actually slide the compassion with perspective onto yourself in that moment, then that would be a beautiful way to stay in the realm of compassion and then take yourself up as as the, the object of your attention. There. So how how would you use it on your own grief for someone who's deceased, or how would you use compassion practice for the being who's deceased? Yes. What would there are t- two questions that are both and maybe you're saying both and. So there, <clears throat> the, the theory is you, you try not to overwhelm your capacity because once we get overwhelmed, we tend to fall into cruder survival mechanisms of being shut down or being forlorn or being contracted. And so we try to start where we can stay conscious and then it's like going to a gym and not starting with a 500 pound weight. You try to go in and build strength and momentum so you can't open up. And yet life will, real life will serve you up incredible challenges and we want to stay conscious with them. So where there is uh, grief, especially long grief, I don't know how the arc of the grief you're on, I've found specifically that, that grief, more than any other emotion, has an arc to it. And... <clears throat> I don't like being submerged in grief, and yet I know that it actually is a very, it's a, it ends up being a healthy journey to go from one situation through a loss, through grief, through a reconnecting to life. And the way that I authentically really reconnect to life, it's somewhere in there I have to breathe with the grief. It's somewhere I have to not try to get out of it or not just hide on the covers until the grief is over. At some point, I have to be conscious within the grief. And the first time through, in uh, my own grief, I've tended to get lost in it because it can be vast and it can have a very long arc. But through these practices of being with my body, being willing to feel, getting little conscious breaths within grief, like, wow, there's a lot of grief here, and then I'm lost again. I come up and I'm like, poof, I've been under for a long time and there's a lot of grief here. And at some point, I'm like, yeah, I've been grieving for a long time. I start to have some perspective start to reemerge. And there's still grief, but there starts to be a, an ability to hold it, an ability to understand that I'm grieving. And at that point, I no longer, that's the part I don't mind anymore. Getting lost is a little bit worrisome because you know it gets scary when you're submerged in a lot of grief. But then at some point we reemerge and we can breathe with it. And that's where I feel like the heart really starts to learn and it begins to um, understand the loss. It begins to renegotiate the relationship. I had a niece that died a year and a half ago um, and I was kind of lost in it for a couple of months. And I began to reemerge and then took a few more months of being kind of submerged in it but that was where my heart was really reorganizing itself. How do I hold this? 
how do I care for her? How do I understand my family now? How do I understand this question of life and death? It's, it's quite large and huge. And so my heart was renegotiating. And that's why the, the arc of grief, I think is actually an important one, grieving, a conscious grieving process. And the way that I did that um, is feel my body so I wouldn't just spin in my head. Begin to feel the realm of grief, taste it. Um, and then <clears throat> at times try to come out of the grief for an hour or two just so I wouldn't let the grief become a worldview. I wouldn't let it take all my views and galvanize them. Like, it, I don't like being alive, it hurts. I like being too contracted around that. It's like, okay, that one's getting a little dug in. I think I need to go see a movie or walk with a friend and just get some air in my system. But at some point you have to come back and let the grieving process continue. And then there tends to be a point where there is a, an opening, a, a digestion, uh, a release of the grieving process. And then there's a very tender, evolved heart that understands that loss comes with being alive, but it's a part of the journey. So then you're, you're wiser and more capable of staying conscious while there is loss along the way. That's about all the time we have for the questions now. So um, we have a compassion practice and you're welcome to practice it again intentionally or as, you're, as the retreat goes on or as life goes on, you can practice it whenever difficulties come up for yourself or for others. Use those times of difficulty, use the compassion practice to support um, mindful intimacy and heart intimacy where there are these challenges and challenging times. At this point, we go back into the loving kindness practice if you want. So you're welcome to stand up and do walking practice before uh, dinner tonight. So uh, practice on as you see fit. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.